Our neuromuscular system is essential to any motor activity, allowing us to stand up, run, and even chew. Neuromuscular disorders disrupt this process. They impair the function of the muscles by affecting the nerves that control them, therefore breaking down the nexus between the brain and the muscles. Over time, people who suffer from neuromuscular disorders experience muscle atrophy, which is when the muscles waste away due to lack of movement. Ultimately, their quality of life can be significantly affected. So, what can nanotechnology-enabled wearables do to help these patients? Let's find out. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Crosstalks a podcast series by the UT Austin Portugal program that walk you through the wonders of science-business collaboration. We'll be exploring emerging topics in the areas of advanced computing, medical physics, nanotechnologies, space earth interactions, and technology innovation entrepreneurship as we delve into the program's groundbreaking industry-driven research projects. Today, we're going to exploring the great, wonderful world of nano this time around by looking at its impact on medicine, and in particular on neuromuscular rehabilitation. Neuromuscular disorders encompass a wide range of diseases with varying degrees of severity, affecting people of all ages, from newborns to children and adults. While in lighter forms, patients have difficulty standing or exercising, in severe ones, such disorders can lead to complete paralysis, Brain difficulties, premature death, or lifelong disability. Indeed, in many cases, we are talk of chronic, progressive, and highly debilitating conditions that significantly compromise patients' autonomy and that call for continuous, specialized healthcare monitoring and support, therefore representing a heavy social and economic burden. The use of wearables to assist neuromuscular patients has shown positive rehabilitation outcomes. Wearables are smart devices designed to be worn non-invasively by users, allowing the acquisition, processing, and sharing of data. Such devices are set to revolutionize healthcare with its applicability in connected care technology, supporting a wide variety of medical functions and, most importantly, contributing to saving lives. Nanotechnology has been at the forefront of many wearable devices advancements. Firstly, because the evolution of these devices into integrated technology requires a miniaturization, without jeopardizing their functional capabilities. Secondly, since wearables should conform to the user, they need to be more stretchable and therefore stronger and more resistant. Working at the nanoscale, these and other important properties, such as high electrical conductivity, can be fabricated and even enhanced. The UT Austin Portugal Nanosim project is a three-year research project bridging business, academic, research and healthcare organizations in Portugal and UT Austin. The Transatlantic Consortium is developing an innovative muscular treatment system based on a wearable device integrating nanoelectrodes to detect muscle dysfunction and provide sustained electrical stimulation to treat it. Ultimately, NanoSteam will be a patient-centered medical solution that will increase patients' freedom and comfort, and therefore 
decrease the load on healthcare centers. I am Sheila Bib, and today our guests are Alfredo Silva, Senior Consultant at Increase Time, Claudia Lopes, Researcher at the Center of Physics of the Universities of Min and Porto, and Nelson Azvid, Physiotherapist and Physiotherapy Professor at Instituto Superior de Saúde. They will tell us all about this innovative project, so stay tuned! Welcome, Alfredo, Claudia Nelson, and thank you very much for accepting our invitation to participate in this podcast. So I've tried to give our listeners an overview of what neuromuscular diseases are, but Nelson, can you please go deeper to explain how broad and heterogeneous this group of diseases is? how limiting they can be for patients and the magnitude of the problem, both socially and economically? Hello, Sheila, Paul and Alfredo. Well, the term of uh, neuromuscular disease applies for uh, to a very wide uh, universe of different uh, pathologies already identified and encompass muscle disease like myopathies, uh, nerve disease, neuropathies, Uh, disease of interarm of spinal uh, cord and disorders of neuromuscular joints uh, like myasthenia uh, among others. Um, they are genetic, irritable, and progressive disease and all have uh, in common uh, the lack of muscular strength that require patients uh, and who have been diagnosed and support uh, and or technical help like uh, electric chairs, well chairs, Rotting frames uh, for the locomotion, um, computer for writing, headrests, uh, various handles, aids, adapted transport vehicles, uh, whatever. Uh, one of the, the, the main problems is like lung, lung problems and heart uh, are often affect, causing like um, uh, like of breathing and heart uh, difficulties. Um, muscle weakness um, also affects all the spine and all the support. And one of the problems that are associated with lack of uh, muscle uh, strength is like a scoliosis of the entire, entire spine uh, is affected and this lack of support affects all the, the spine too. And normally uh, we need a, a surgery, correction surgery um, for, that, for that cases. And um, this uh, for the lowest extremities, um, some tendons are often um, affected too. So um, there needs some surgeries to correct these this, uh, this deformities and, and have uh, a total support for uh, this, this kind of intervention. Um, this, this disease does, doesn't have cure for the moment. Um, however, the, this, this problems uh, that patients uh, have um, needs a multidisciplinary team um, for, for that their, their care, like uh, neuropediatrics, um, orthopedics, uh, neurologics, physiotherapists, and psychologists, and uh, cardiologists, and, and respiratory um, profession for uh, that, that, that support and, and uh, the, the hospital centers working together uh, for that uh, global uh, assessment. Then there are uh, some um, yeah, study, a comprehensive, comprehensive overview of literature carried by Joan, Dina and colleagues in, in 2015, um, found that most of neuromuscular disease 
show prevalence um, rates between 1 and 10 um, for uh, 100,000 population, except one um, neuropathy, lumbar, eaten, myasthenia syndrome. Um, that uh, had less than uh, one in 2,000, 100,000 uh, people. Uh, in Portugal, in our specific country, um, with 10 million um, habitants, uh, and according with international statistic data, there are more than uh, 500 affected patients uh, distributed for different pathologies. And this, this, this kind of diseases doesn't have any cure, but we have uh, the, the improvements now are better than 10 years or 20 years uh, ago. And, and one of the, the, this, this, this condition, this neuromuscular uh, disease, are the, one of the main causes uh, of the muscle atrophy uh, in these uh, more serious uh, clinical conditions. And one of the, the, the big problems that, that we want to solve with the nanostim. However, um, they are not the only uh, causes of muscle atrophy. And disuse, like, uh, especially in the, in the older ages, um, become, more, become an ex extremely important factor um, for the manifestation of the muscle atrophy with implications in the whole uh, musculoskeletal uh, uh, system. And the motor disability um, is one of the most serious conditions that affect the elderly, and uh, they are a uh, large impact in social and, uh, and monetary costs um, also. It's a, it's a clear, huge problem that you want to, to, to solve um, with nanostim uh, solutions. Thank you, Nelson. So we have seen that many of these disorders are chronic, progressive, and highly debilitating, and that they put a lot of strain on formal and informal healthcare. So how can scientific research help improve healthcare approaches to these conditions? In particular, Claudia, can we elaborate on how important is the intersection of nano with wearable technologies to move towards a patient-centered approach? I will try, Sheila, I will try. <laughs> so uh, I will start by, by what is actually doing in physical, in conventional physical medicine. So the, uh, in this, uh, in conventional physical medicine, like I, I was saying, the muscle fibers electrical activity is measured with a pair of silver silver chloride electrodes placed on the skin. Uh, this method is known as surface electromyography mm -hmm. and can only be carried out in hospital centers. Uh, so these electrodes, the silver silver chloride electrodes that are, that are the golden standard in uh, physical medicine are very interest, interesting uh, since they offer excellent signal quality for brief recordings at low costs, uh, but uh, they have significant drawbacks. They are wet and this is the, the major of them. So to acquire reliable measurements, it is necessary to apply a conductive gel. This gel, the main role of this gel is to reduce the uh, interfacial impedance uh, between the electrode and the skin. And that can only be done by trained professionals in healthcare centers, which is very restrictive by itself. Besides, they present several other uh, drawbacks as the longevity and the measurement times that is uh, 
very long, uh, very short, sorry. And they are often reported frequent allergical contact, dermatitis and comfort issues regarding the use of these electrodes. And there, are, there is another problem that is when these electrodes are used in small areas, uh, these areas could be so small that uh, smearing of the electrolyte could occur. And uh, that increased the probability of short circuiting and burnings on the patient's skin, and we want to avoid it. Uh, so to, over, uh, to overcome these drawbacks, uh, NanoSteam project offers a combined EMG diagnosis and electrical stimulation uh, solution by integrating a high-performance system of dry and flexible nanosensors based on thin films with custom nanostructures into quotes, making possible to be used for long periods, multiple times, everywhere. So to prepare these sensors and actuators, because we want to sense the, the activity of the muscle, but we also want to actuate uh, on them, uh, we use fabrics or soft and flexible uh, polymeric substrates. Uh, the polymeric substrates and textiles are cheap and accessible materials, sorry, that can be easily integrated uh, into a wearable. And this is very nice. For instance, uh, actually we are developing uh, experiments on cellulose biopolymeric bases to be integrated in lyocell fabrics. Uh, both are primarily composed of cellulose uh, derived from wood. Uh, and these, uh, we are speaking about biodegradable materials that is very nice. Uh, and we are in, in fact uh, having very uh, promising results. So despite the properties uh, very nice exhibited by polymers and fabrics that, that are very interesting, interesting uh, they are non-conducting materials uh, and they cannot uh, acquire uh, an electrical signal, a biosignal that is an electrical signal. So we functionalize these surfaces using a biocompatible titanium based in film prepared with a technique that is magnetron a physical vapor deposition technique that is eco-friendly. So, when I speak in thin films, I'm speaking in something that is really thin. Uh, and we are speaking in tens to hundreds of nanometers. To better understand this scale, this nanoscale, I could say that uh, one nanometer is 1,000 million smaller than a meter. And, and this is extremely small. Mm -hmm. So compare one nanometer to the diameter of a tennis ball, would, like, uh, would be like comparing the diameter of a soccer ball to the diameter of the earth. It's really small. So by using this technique, this uh, vacuum condition, in vacuum conditions, we eject titanium atoms from a target and using several elastic and inelastic physical uh, collisions. And um, we, we uh, after sputtering these atoms, they are uh, specifically, specifically placed on the substrate, atom by atom, creating, creating nucleation sites, sorry, to grow. And at this level, nano level, 
it's possible to completely modify the properties of the sensor because we are working with atoms. So we can change the, the final properties of the film by changing the chemical composition. For instance, we can uh, combine the titanium atoms with other, other metals like silver or copper that have outstanding electrical and mechanical behaviors, or we can change the morphology of the film. We can change the way how the film grows. It can grow by columns, it can grow by spirals, by zigzag springs, and that will completely change the electromechanical behavior of the film uh, in the sensor. So the wide range of films that we can prepare uh, enhance the sensitivity of the wiki, uh, enhance the sensi sensitivity, sorry, for the EMG signals that we want to acquire that are very weak signals. And at the same time, we are working in different thin films to send electrical stimulus. Now, the films need to play a different role. They are not receiving any more uh, an, uh, an information, but they need to send an electrical message to the muscle. And so it's very important to control these, these both aspects, the films that will acquire one information and the films that will send uh, another one. Thank you, Claudia. So the project's vision is that NanoSTEM is more than a wearable device. It is an integrated system that will allow targeted and personalized rehabilitation services. Nelson, you had already mentioned that there is no core for neuromuscular disorders, but that there are treatments available that may improve patient symptoms. So considering the currently available rehabilitation solutions, where does NanoSTEM's innovativeness really lie, Nelson? Um, it's, uh, the nanos team uh, is um, so it's, it's a, a part that we want to uh, to uh, to create um, a, pa a patient-centered technology, and, and we want to to um, see it a global perspective and all the, this 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 uh, specific uh, issue that is the, the at muscle atrophy of the, 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 the our patients. So we want to. To, um, to see an uh, integrated uh, solution that we can combine all these possibilities that Claudia says, uh, said that with the uh, thin films. And in this, this all the relationship with the materials and uh, uh, artificial intelligence, intelligence. So uh, we want now to, 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 uh, to conduct this, this rehabilitation to another level. So with this possibility of the, this, this all the, the technology available, um, we want to to uh, to, um, to um, give some some a new solution uh, with this nano steam um, and uh, to create this this possibility that is to uh, to um, try to adopt this atrophy. Um, Produce or stop this this atrophy that that is then one of the main causes of a lot of problems like uh, fall falling risk that uh, osteoporosis or other problems that uh, is associated with elder people and uh, with this nano steam and this possibility to revert the, 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 this process of uh, the, the the lack of muscle or lack of strength 
in the mobility of the, the neuromuscular disease or even uh, one uh, normal patient that is a, that is a problem of the, the age and the older age. So it's, uh, our, our main goal is to stop this, this problem, silence problem, um, uh, more, more evident in the, in, when we see this, this problem happened, but it's a silence problem that we have to, 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 uh, to um, stop this, this uh, silence evolution. Thank you, Nelson. Claudia, would you like to add anything? Uh, I would like to, to, to say that we have a multidisciplinary team working on this. I think that it's important to, uh, for sure that Alfredo will uh, complete my, my information. Uh, but uh, yes, we have a very multidisciplinary team working on this. We became, become from different fields of expertise. We are, um, for instance, University of Minho uh, is working on the development of these nanosensors but we have the, the, all the help of the Polytechnic Institute of Braganza that is working in the electronic connections and uh, in the AI um, that is assisted by the University of Austin. We have uh, two groups in Austin working with us, closely working with us, the Nanoscale Design and Manufacturing Laboratory and also the PEDAS group uh, that uh, is uh, from the Institute of Compu Computational Engineering and Science. And uh, we also have a company that uh, it's a leading company in innovation in wearables. And uh, it's working with us uh, to develop this wearable. Uh, we have Nelson that is our physiotherapist uh, that assists us and is always explaining us uh, what we need. Uh, so we also have a company that uh, is TNM that uh, works on the field of surface engineering and uh, will transpose the know-how acquired in in this project for um, for to uh, commercial solutions. And we have increased time that uh, it's a company fo focus on offering solutions and promote quality of life and well-being. So we really want to have a person-centered um, solution. We want to give the, the best treatment for the needs to each uh, person. Uh, these treatments will be focused on the, the problems of each individual and not a, general, a generalized treatment. Yeah. Thank you, Claudia. So since wearables collect substantial personal information, including highly sensitive health-related data, shared with healthcare professionals and institutions for continuous and real-time monitoring, there are legitimate concerns about how they address data security and data privacy requirements. So Alfred, what is the solution you have found to ensure that the data generated by using your wearable device conforms to the best privacy and confidentiality practices? Well, for us, the privacy is extremely important. Of course, not only not only from a moral standpoint, but of course also also in regards of certification of the, what we are trying to do. So we have built the 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 idea of privacy at every level of what our of our solution. 
it starts on the development of the of the uh, of the artificial intelligence programs that that will analyze the, the treatment and and suggest uh, a, a treatment plan. These have to be trained, and the data that we are extracting from from uh, from patients to train these algorithms is anonymized. So, for on the first level, they receive data that there is there is no information regarding who. That 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 uh, that the medical information came from only the, the data itself and uh, some vague, some some vague uh, co considerations regarding the age group of the person that was that was the source of the data. So uh, at that level, we are, we already guarantee the privacy. Then in the second level, the we have have developed the system that uh, when the user is using the system, that data goes to a database online. We took several measures, like for example, the communication between the the, the system and the, the online server is encrypted. The online server itself is is divided. We have the database on one side. We have the business logic and the server on the other. And the the, the server does not know information about the person. There there's a let's say a, what we call it in in in, uh, in computer engineering a token that is exchanged, meaning. There, there's a separation, and the, one part does not know the identification of the other, only the data. So, at that level of usage, the information is also protected. Again, as the system collects information on its users, only the users have access to it by uh, by via password and the medical officers that they gave it explicit permission to. Finally, the data that we collect during the usage of the of the tool is then used to, to, fur, to further optimize the uh, artificial intelligence algorithms. And at this step, this data is again anonymized. So the server does not know who the, who the data belongs to, only the database knows, and there's a, a token exchange. And once that data is, is, is required to be accessed, not by the, by the medical officer, nor, nor by the user, but by the artificial intelligence algorithms, it's further anonymized. So the system does not have a way to, to know who came from. So as I mentioned, at every step, the privacy of the data is ensured. And we have developed the entire system based on the idea that uh, privacy is extremely important and we are do the best to protect the privacy and medical data of all the users. Thank you, Alfredo. Privacy is indeed extremely important. Mm -hmm. We are very happy to know uh, that's been a priority <laughs> at the Nanotin project. So what is the consortium's envisioned roadmap uh, to bring Nanotin to the market? Are there any significant barriers to overcome in Nanotin's commercialization and adoption by healthcare institutions, professionals, and patients? Or are we talking about the relatively straightforward process, Alfredo? Well, the road, the road for commercialization is always complicated with medical devices. Uh, probably Nelson can speak better than me about this, but uh, we at Increased Time have a long experience developing solutions, health, health solutions. And uh, of course, there's always some resistance to new unproven solutions. So our, our, main, uh, our main concern regarding commercialization is to prove 
to the future users, be them medical prof professionals or, or end users, that the system is safe, that the system is effective, that the system uh, is, is, a, is affordable and can, and can offer a better solution than the ones that already exist in the market. This is something that is, let's say, more complicated than it looks like. That's why our first step towards, towards this future commercialization is to first and, and foremost guarantee the quality of the product, which is why we are doing extensive development and testing. Secondly, to validate all our assumptions during a pilot phase that will come later, so that we can show that to, 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 the, to the potential user that the system is validated and, and operational. And once we have, the, once we have that, we then have, we're going to use our contacts because like I mentioned, increased time has a lot of contacts in the, in the health area. And of course, several of other, our, our consortium members also have them. And, we, and after, after we have a product that is stable, it has a, a high TRL. Uh, that's a te technological le level, and uh, and we have proven through a pilot that it works and is effective. We intend to 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 show it uh, to to various potential partners. The road to to commercialization after that, there are several option open options at this point. Our preferred option would be to have someone like say increase time, or 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 maybe some another partner. Even though I think increase time probably it fits better to uh, to uh, to commercialize the, the, the system and then have all the partners be, uh, be licensees. Alternatively, you can also create a, separ a, separate, a separate joint venture, uh, organizations just to, 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 to export com the product commercially. This is not it's something they still discuss in the consortium, so it's not completely set on stone at this point, but those are two main options. But we believe that once the, the pilot is done, when we have a, a solution that is proven, we will have we'll have some facility in contacting the potential interest people and show them the solution. And they, I, we believe that for our estimations that we'll be able to acquire a certain, a reasonable large number of, of potential clients. Thank you, uh, Alfred. That is very interesting. Nelson, would you like to add anything or? Yeah, for, for me, like a health uh, professional, I need this, this solution for my patients. So it's very important to me. I have the, this kind of solution that I, I don't know really if there is some solution like this in market. But uh, for my practice, my clinical practice, this is a very important gain uh, for my, my for time and the possibilities we have with this, this kind of uh, disposal. Thank you, Nelson. So we are almost nearing the end of our conversation, but I'd like to ask you this final question. Like Claudia said, nanoSIM builds on different scientific fields. We have nanoscience, artificial intelligence, biome biomechanical engineering, and calls on academics, technology developers, business people, and healthcare professionals to work side by side. So what's been like working in such a diverse team? What's it what does it take to not get lost in translation, uh, Alfredo? And then I'd like to also hear the, the words of Claudia Nelson, please. Well, that, that's a problem. It's actually not a problem, but it's a, a challenge that happens every time we start one of these projects, because let's be realistic. Today, developing solutions, particularly in the medical area, it's complex. It requires a lot of people with very different skill sets. So with those skill sets and backgrounds also comes these different expectations. And it's always a challenge to balance 
everything because of course there's one on one hand companies like us that have an interest in commercialization and in bring the product to to the market uh, as soon as possible there are other companies like uh, there are other organizations like universities that have a more let's say research oriented objective then of course there, there's there's also end user organizations that have their own specific agendas so the first the first question the rest of our question is that Understanding the interests of each party and balancing them and uh, achieve, achieving some type of compromise is the first challenge. It's something that usually happens right at the start of the project with meetings and understanding what each, each partner wants. Once this is achieved, we start to create a, a relationship, a, a, a um, work relationship through meetings, through to uh, to to, to, uh, to exchange of ideas, to discussion of often points, and over time, a natural balance usually comes forth. We 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 work with we work with several people. When when the people have an have a common interest in bringing this uh, project together, they usually work very well, and uh, and a, a, a relationship uh, naturally arises over time. And I am very fortunate to say that in this con consortium, this happened almost immediately. So I'm very fortunate to work with these people. Thank you, Nelson Claudio. Would you like to add anything? Yes, I would like to say that I agree completely with Alfredo. We learn a lot from each other. It's so uh, it's amazing how we uh, build a, a good relation, and we all all of us are motivated doing this. So we want to learn. We we want to do more. We want to solve the problems of the others. And we are having very nice results because all of us are really working uh, with the heart in this project. Thank you, Nelson. Yes, uh, I agree with Claudia and Alfred. This is an incredible experience and amazing experience uh, working with uh, this group. So a lot of talented people uh, that he in their their field of expertise. And it's very rewarding uh, to learn with this 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 whole group, um, and it's very very challenging, like uh, said Alfredo and, and Claudia, um, and working with multidisciplinary teams in the different areas opens uh, our horizons and our fields of vision, and my perspective in particular gains uh, another another another. Dimension, so it's a great privilege to part, be part of such amazing group. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you very much, Alfredo, Claudia, Nelson. It was very nice to talk to you and to learn more about the Nanostim project. And we hope that it comes to life very, very soon. And we can't wait to hear more updates about your project. Also, yes, and thank you, Chela, for this opportunity to demonstrate our project. It's very important for us to 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 reach the to people to to show them how, how it works. So, really appreciate the opportunity you have given us. Thank, thank you, Chela. Thank you all for listening to this episode of Crosstalks. If you have enjoyed it, and even if you didn't, we'd love to hear from you. So make sure to subscribe and leave a review. For additional content, follow us at UT Portugal on Twitter or visit utosanportugal.org. The NanoSteam Project Consortium brings together academic, research, business and healthcare partners in Portugal and at UT Austin. 
increased time, the University of Minho, the Polytechnic Institute of Bragança, in Petus, Portugal, TNM, Nelson Azevedo Terapias Globais, the Cockrell School of Engineering, and the Oden Institute for Computational Engineering and Sciences. The NanoSIM project is co-financed by the European Regional Development Fund through Portugal 2020 and the regional operational programs North 2020 and Centre 2020, and by the Portuguese Foundation for Science and Technology under UTOS in Portugal. The total eligible investment is over 2 million euros with a public funding of over 1.7 million euros. The UTOS in Portugal program is a partnership program in science and technology between the Portuguese Foundation for Science and Technology and the University of Texas at Austin, supported by the Ministry of Science, Technology and Higher Education in close collaboration with the Council of Rectors of Portuguese Universities.